It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hi, this is Jay Horowitz with another digit of Amazing Mental Love Mike podcast. The gentleman to my left all caught some of the great pitchers in Mets history. You know, Duffy Dyer, Mackie Sasser, Barry Lyon. Duffy caught Tom Seaver, uh, Jerry Kuzman, Nolan Ryan, John Matlock. Mackie and Barry caught, you know, Doc Gooden, uh, Frank Viola, and David Cohn. Duffy, let me start with you. Were you, were you caught Tom Seaver in the beginning? Did you think he would end up doing Hall of Famer, three Cy Youngs? Yes, I did. Uh, I mean, I think everybody knew uh, he had great stuff, but the thing that made him so great was his knowledge of pitching. I have never caught a pitcher that was as smart as he was about pitching and how he knew his, himself when he had his good stuff, when he didn't. And uh, another great thing about him is he could adjust during the game. Uh, if he didn't have a breaking ball early, he'd go more fastballs and then slowly uh, get his fat or his curve, his breaking balls. And uh, he could change during the game. It was amazing. And he knew his own body, what uh, he was capable of and what he wasn't during each game. And uh, he was a great worker, hard worker. He knew himself. And uh, of course, he was uh, one of the greatest competitors I've ever seen. You caught Nolan in the beginning when he was a Met. I mean, was it wild in the beginning? The story goes, I mean... Yes, <laughs> yes, he was. And seven no-hitters later, he turned uh, out... It was okay. unbelievable. Uh, we all knew what kind of stuff he had, but I caught him a little bit in the minor leagues also, and uh, he was born with, obviously, a great arm, and he was very, very strong in the legs. That's what uh, made him so powerful. But uh, he always had a great curveball. Nobody taught that to him either, and... Most people don't realize what a great curveball he had, but he threw uh, well over 100 miles an hour, had the great curveball, but he usually threw it about 55 feet. And uh, if you got down on a fairly low crouch and he threw the ball up shoulder high, you couldn't get up there to catch it. I mean, it was by you and to the screen. So he was very hard, very difficult to catch when he was younger. But uh, I think the uh, thing that made him a great pitcher was he, after he got traded, he got a chance to pitch every fifth day, right. which he didn't do with us because we had such a great starting staff that uh, he was just too a little too inconsistent at that time. Barry, why don't you and uh, Mackie talk about Dwight, how it was to catch him? I had the honor of my first Major League start of catching Dwight in uh, 1986, and so uh, he had just come off the 85 season where he just dominated baseball uh you know, in such a way that uh, it's rarely been done. But uh, it was a great experience for me catching Doc. We were together in Instructional League one year and briefly together in Lynchburg in, in uh, 83. But uh, he was a, a very special pitcher, obviously, and uh, his fastball was uh, electric and his curveball. A lot of people call uh, the curveball Uncle Charlie. We call Doc's Lord Charles. Uh, but a special athlete, a special player, 
and one of the kindest, best guys you'll ever meet. But uh, he was he was fun to catch and uh, certainly had a great career. Mackie, how about you, Mackie? Well, I caught him in 88 for the first time, and uh, I thought he was one of the best catch, you know, pitchers I ever caught. The thing about him, he's such a great athlete. He can make adjustments and do the things he needed to do. But, you know, my mind, he could drop a curveball on you any time, in any count, whenever he wanted to. He didn't worry about base runners. He was there to do his thing and do it well. Um, I can tell you a time when I walked out and talked to him, I said, if you just give me a little time, I can throw this guy out. And he said, I ain't worried about it. Go and strike this one out. <laughs> so that's the kind of guy and mindset he had. And, he, you know, he was not also just one of the greatest pitchers, but he was a great hitter. You know, he won plenty of ball games with his bat, just like he did pitching. But he was a dominant pitcher. He was downhill. The fastball, he could keep up, but he, he could throw that curveball anytime he really needed to. Do you think there's any thread between all the guys we just talked about? I mean, I mean any one, you know, thread to tie? I think it's their legs. I mean, good pitchers like that really use the bottom half of their body. And Doc did it really well. I think you could say the same thing. I mean, it was just – they dominate with the bottom half, and everything else worked for them. You agree, Doctor? Oh, know? yes, definitely. Uh, Tom, in fact, uh, went clear down on his right knee when his follow-through, and uh, not many pitchers did that. But uh, any great pitcher definitely uses the bottom half of their body, and uh, that's where most of them get their strength from. You agree, Arm speed. And they, they've got their strength uh, differently from where they do today, and I think that's where you have a lot of problems. Those guys used to run and run and run and run, uh, and I don't know that they do that anymore, but uh, obviously, as Mackey and Duffy both said, their legs was what set them apart. They had great arms, obviously knew how to pitch and all the other uh, qualities that great pitchers have, but their strength and their legs is what really set them apart. I know if you guys know that Barry actually ended Seaver's career. <laughs> That's right. He, I was there. He came back. He, he, was, he was rehabbing in Norfolk. Was it was the game at Norfolk or no, Shea Stadium? Stadium? He did. Uh, he pitched like, uh, an exhibition game in Norfolk. Right. And then we had a simulated game in Montreal. He was six for six, right? And then we came back to and New he York. Said, Tom and said, "That's that's it for me. I'm done." Yeah, that was <laughs> it. Uh, I, I know it. He wasn't quote unquote the Tom Seaver, obviously, right. at that point in time. But uh, for him to say, albeit tongue-in-cheek, when asked at his retirement press, press conference who the toughest hitter he ever faced, to have my name come out of his mouth is, uh, you know, it, as I said, tongue-in-cheek. But uh, it's certainly an honor, and, and what an amazing pitcher. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Duffy, do you think Kuzman gets overlooked with all this stuff? I mean, you know, with Seaver, I mean... I remember in '69, and you know, he after we lost the first game uh, of the World Series, he won the second game, and he won the Clutchy game. Does a guy like that get, in history get overlooked? I'm glad you asked that because I've always felt that Koo uh, is uh, one of the most underrated pitchers in the game of baseball. 
he was much better than most people realize. He had a great, long, very long career, and uh, most people don't realize how good he was. M most of the people in New York might realize it, but even after he left New York, he had a very long career in Minnesota, and uh, he was a much better pitcher than most people realize. Was he the, like the enforcer? Was it, I, I think Sabota told me a story that one time when uh, Hands hit, uh, hit uh, AG and in the, in the next at bat that... Uh, Kuzman broke Santo's elbow or something like that. Right. Uh, he was not afraid to pitch inside, right. and he would always defend our hitters. I mean, if somebody got drilled on our team, you could always count on him uh, getting even. Yeah. yeah. Mackie Barry overlooked it later on. We talk about Dwight and Darling, but a guy like Sid Fernandez sometimes gets lost in the shuffle too, doesn't he? I mean, yes. with his stuff, I mean. He had good stuff. I mean, he, he was that guy that was kind of in the middle of all those guys. You know, him and Ojeda were. But Sid, you know, I'll, every time I, I caught Sid a lot because it was more of a give the defense a rest and put the other guys in because he threw fly balls all the time. You know, he, he came from a different angle. He pushed the ball, so it always always rose. And they'd foul it off, foul it off, pop it up, and, and do the things. But he was a great pitcher because he, he was another guy. You could throw a curveball and he'd throw it for a ball. And you double it up, it was guaranteed a strike. Yeah. And and so he was a he was a really good pitcher. It was just a different look, and he made him really well. Sid uh, trusted Mel Stottlemyre, and Mel gets overlooked probably. Uh, he had a great career as a pitcher and a pitching coach, and you know he gets more notoriety for the time he was with the Yankees, I believe. But he was the the, the glue that uh, really held that pitching staff that we had, which was the best in baseball by far. And Sid Fernandez was just one of the five, and but he was special as well. As Mackey said, Mel really helped him in, in uh, uh, his uh, naivety, if you will. Uh, he didn't know what, you know, he trusted us to call the pitch, and, and he would. And as Mackey said, Mel taught us as catchers that you give him, if he throws a bad curveball, he says, go right back to it. Cause, and, and, and like Mackey just said, he, he would make it just a perfect pitch. But that was a lot of times called the curveball that was seldom swung at because the high fastball, it so. came out of the same window. And uh, he had such spin on it. I'd like to see his spin rate, the way they measure things. That's right. Now his curveball spin rate was, was off the charts. What do you guys think about the uh, clock next year for the pitchers? You were a yay opponent or for it, against it? I was never for a clock in baseball, but being a partner and being involved in double A baseball in my hometown in Biloxi, I've had a chance to see uh, the clock uh, utilized for the last couple of years. Uh, and I've been sold on it a little bit. I don't know how they're going to implement it and then call infractions right off the bat. Minor League Baseball gave a whole full season and then the first month of last year before they started actually cracking down on it. They measured it and they, they, they did uh, studies and tests and, and kept charts and kept, uh, you know, the, the numbers. But, uh, I, you know, I'm not against it, but I, I think it needs to, to probably be more time. And then to start with for the first year, I think it, it, they need to bring it in slowly, not go with it right off the bat. What do you guys think, Doug? I'm, well, yeah, I'm uh, personally right now I'm against it because I never thought uh, there should be a clock in baseball. But uh, I, I, I'm anxious to see how it works. Uh, 
but uh, right now I'm against it, uh, uh, although I do not like it when hitters step out and adjust the gloves all the time and make the pitcher wait, but I also don't like it when pitchers take uh, too much time and fiddle around on the mound all the time, but uh, right now I'm against it. I just, uh, but, I, but I am willing to take a look and uh, watch it and see if it does improve, so uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see it. Barry and Mackey, how many? How many guys? You catch Coney a lot. I mean, yes, I, I, yes, I did as well. We, did any of you? Were you were him catching the famous game in the land? I forget who caught when he forgot. I was, to, I, I was catching. Yeah, and yeah. he forgot to cover for him. He was <laughs> arguing with the umpire. He, he was arguing with the umpire, and they were just walking in. I mean, Charlie it was Williams. two runs, and you couldn't get his attention. He was so wound up. He was so into that call, and and so it was it was done. You know how Coney was. Yeah. I mean, he was locked in on getting that call. And they just walked through. You could holler all day long. And we we and lost the game by a run or something. I right? think so. Yes. Yeah. But once he figured it out, you know, he was disappointed. I mean, you can see he dropped his head. But you he know was, what? I he remember was in that moment. He stood by his locker after the game and didn't never ran for anything. That's right. Duffy. Next year is the 50th anniversary of the '73 team. You know, one probably wanted. It's a great season. A little disappointed how the year ended. Tell me about the controversy. I spoke to him in a not one controversy, the right word. We're ahead three to two. I guess the consensus is the clubhouse was to let George Stone pitch no. the, the 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 sixth game, right, and to rest Tom. Instead, we went with Tom on short rest, and we lost like three to one or four to one, something like that. And unfortunately, we lost game seven. Right. Uh, I feel that most of the players thought we should go with George because he had had an outstanding year. But it's, I, I think Tom wanted to pitch that game, so. I'm not positive, but if Tom went in and said, I'd like to pitch yeah. this game, I'm sure he's going to pitch that game. So, uh, you know, it, it was a tough decision, but, uh, you know, I, more controversial was the call of Willie Mays at home plate, but uh, it, that's, I mean, that was, <laughs> that's That was old when, news. when he was down on the ground. <laughs> huh? When he was down on the ground. Yeah, yeah. We all, we all thought, that, well, it was a close play at home plate, and, you know, we obviously thought he was safe, and Willie argued and thought he was safe, and uh, we lost that argument, but... Uh... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That was a big turning point in that game. What's one game you guys remember? Is it one game you caught? It doesn't have to be the, you know, the guys we talked. Is there any other pitcher or one game that you remembered? Personally, I remember, I think it was in August. It was near my birthday. That's why I remember it. Uh, you know, we were starting to get, or at least I was, we were starting to talk about catching the Cubs, and I believe it was near my birthday, and we, I believe we were eight and a half games still behind the Cubs with about six weeks to go. We were in Forge Field in Pittsburgh, and we had a doubleheader, and I caught Don Cardwell, and we won that game one to nothing, and Cardi drove in the only run of the game. Yeah, it was, the other game was one nothing too, right? And the other game, Kuzman threw, uh, and uh, we won one to nothing, and Kuzman drove in the only run of the That's game. Great. Yeah, 
that's the one I remember personally catching uh, with the Mets. How about you guys? I uh, I think it was Dave Cohn pitching. You know, he, he pitched a lot of games where he struck out. He had, he had a lot of strikeouts at the beginning of his career. I mean, he was more wanting to strike out everybody instead of pitching. Mac, did you he know, throw 150 pitches in one game? It, yes. I mean, he would throw pitch after pitch after pitch, and his goal was to strike everybody out, which that's how he pitched. And he struck a lot of guys out. So in his, later in his career, you know, he learned how to pitch and finally throw another hitter. But it was a game he was pitching, and it was in uh, St. Louis. I'll never forget it. And he was pitching. And, and it was like in the ninth inning, the, top, the bottom of the ninth. And he had got done. He'd done a great job. He brought John Franco in. Well, John Franco come in to pitch, and he was doing his thing with the little screwballs and all the stuff he threw. And I'll never miss – I still think about this game. You know, he threw a ball in the dirt. It rolled right to the top edge of the St. Louis dugout, and they tied it up. And I went over to Franco. I said, I'm sorry, man. I, I didn't try to do it or anything. He said, don't ever let it happen again. Really? It was the exact worst to me. So I've always <laughs> remembered that. He don't, he don't realize what he did to me about blocking balls. Yeah. I mean, you know, but things like that happened. But probably Dave Combs had some of the best games I ever caught. Yeah. I bet you, Barry. Well, as I said earlier, we had the best staff in all of baseball from uh, the starting five and uh, the two closers. And uh, uh, I have so many great memories, uh, but mine also is with David uh, in New York against the Phillies. He had a no-hitter going into the uh, eighth inning and got two outs, and uh, he pitched uh, Steve Jeltz, jammed, jammed him uh, with a fastball in, and he had a little blooper that landed just out the reach of Elster's glove. Otherwise, he would have had the first no-hitter possibly. He still had another inning to go. But uh, he was a special pitcher, and uh, he, he when he first came over in a trade, uh, he was assigned the locker right next to me. And so we became uh, best of friends pretty quickly. And we were all friends. We, were, we had a close-knit team. And uh, that's something that may, I'm sure gets a lot of play, and people know that. but. Uh, our ball club uh, was always close. We picked each other up, we pulled for each other, and we fought for each other, and, and, and we, we all had the same goal in mind, to kick ass. And, I, I remember the game he struck at 19 against the Phillies in Philadelphia. That's right. <laughs> I've heard a side story to that. Yeah, one, we're, we're, not, we're not going to get into the side story <laughs> with that. So, last question. Do you think it's crazy with all the great pitches we had? We, we had Santana, uh, uh, then the uh, combined no-hitter this year. Isn't it kind of crazy with all these guys left to pitch no-hitters away from the Mets? I mean, uh, you know, Seaver and, uh, you know, and you know, and Dwight and Cone and, you know. Yeah. Every, you know. Yeah, all the good pitchers. It is crazy, yeah. I mean, just yeah. the history of great pitchers, we just got the, you know. Nolan. Uh, Nolan. Uh, but it was all, all as they got older, most of them. Except Nolan. I mean, he threw a lot of them. But it was, it's just, I think as it matured, the maturity of it. Yeah, but they all came had one hitters. I mean, Sid, we had a I lot of Sid with a one hitter, Tony a one hitter, and I know Doc had several so one hitters. Yeah. So you know, as did Tsever. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy yeah. Coyle's game and stuff like yeah. that. But it was a guy's been a pleasure. You know, thank you for your time, and hopefully next year we'll have another championship to celebrate. Thank you, Jeff. Thank, thank you, Jeff. You. You're the Thanks best. Thanks for the time, guys. It was fun. Thank you.